This is the Maker Views podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Scott Matson, and this is Maker Views. This is the Maker Views podcast. Welcome. Prepare yourself for a truly amazing episode. Jesse Daniel Smith, who you hear in the background, is a singer, songwriter, video content creator, filmmaker, photographer, really just overall a creative genius. I'm so stoked to share this episode with you all. This is a longer episode than most. Jesse and I, we just found ourselves in this conversation like two old friends. It was awesome and it spans a lot of sweet topics. You'll hear more about his specific musical process, different editing techniques, and his background in music in general. And then we dive on into different musical influences such as Justin Vernon, Bon Iver, um, Blake Mills, and just so much more there. And then into just living well, overall well-being, whether that's meditation, exercise, eating well. I am personally no professional on that, but Jesse is, he's got a lot of great advice in that area, and it inspired me. It gave me this aha moment that you'll hear. He's really an authentic, genuine guy, and hes he wears his heart on his sleeve. He, he just puts it all out on the line with his music. I really encourage you to check it out. And, and with that authenticity, Jesse's doing something awesome for us here. He and I have teamed up to give some amazing bonus material to go alongside this main episode. This includes a previously unreleased track of his, it's yet to come on any album, unreleased audio from our conversation that's being put together as a bonus episode that will never hit podcast stores, a special note from Jesse, and a lot more. Like I said, stick around to the end. Or just go to makerviews.com slash JSD. Thanks so much for tuning in and checking this show out. I hope you dig it. I'm going to dive right in. Without further ado, here we go. Got Jesse Daniel Smith from Canada on the podcast here. Welcome to the show, man. Oh, thank you for having me. So excited to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Give us maybe a quick rundown of uh, who you are, what you do. Oh man, I I like to say that I'm an enthusiast who's up to good. That's kind of like my main my main mission. I uh, I do all sorts of stuff. I started out making records out of my house and slowly realized that to do that, I would have to also learn audio engineering and video, and had to get a website up and had to uh, learn how to use Photoshop a little bit. And the culmination of all those skills has made me this like content creator for the internet, and I can make a living making videos for other people and by collecting royalties off of uh, streaming platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. You, Yeah, you definitely do the whole nine from, like you said, um, you're not just releasing like, you know, records. You're doing amazing videos. Oh, thank you. That's so nice of you to say. Truly, yeah. I love the the quality, the the production to it, the like the filter, the color hues. Um yeah, I'm the full, it's the it's the full like I'm like I just want it to be as hip as humanly possible. You yeah, know? it's super I, hip, man. I spend all the money I can and then make it look as like faded and crappy as humanly possible. Can I swear? <laughs> can I say crappy? 
Yeah, no, man, you can say shitty. If uh, oh you want. my god, really? <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, no, yeah, don't hold back. And so when I, I kind of want to focus on that, the video production. Um, what's that process like for you? Uh, I am a, uh, you know, I really like it to be as quick as possible. I really like it to just be like whip the camera out, have a, a solid prime lens, have a full frame sensor stabilization in the camera now like as as much as i can uh minimize the process of setting up and shooting the absolute better like the, the way we normally do it and the way i shoot videos for other people is i don't want to script anything i don't want to stage anything give me like a schedule of what's happening and then i'll come through and i'll just shoot it and i'll make a the coolest version of what actually happened that i can but my whole thing is to be truly, truly like candid, fly on the wall. Don't want to mess with the subject. Don't want to, don't want to change anything up. And then from there, it's just super strong fundamentals. You know, I try to be like the Larry Bird of video. It's just thirds, and uh, you know, underexposed slightly, and make sure that I can throw it all together in editing. You know, just get a bunch of footage and then start to pace it out, um, relying heavily on a piece of music that kind of dictates what the whole thing is going to be. That's great, man. Yeah. That's yeah, absolutely. And who's who? Uh, who films who? Because I know, and especially recently, is it uh, Elena? That's your girl, girlfriend, right? Yeah, yeah, Elena. We've we've been uh, seeing each other for just over a year, but we were we became really close friends, and I could tell that Elena was a creative spirit, and just didn't have an opportunity to flex that. So as soon as we started dating, I was like, if you want you can just literally become like absorbed into what I'm doing and we can just do exactly what I've been doing just as a unit. Um, and she immediately took to that. So from that point on, it was just like, if I'm on camera, she's shooting me, she's on camera, I'm shooting her. Um, and uh, we also do weddings together and on corporate stuff. We shoot videos for other bands, we do music videos, all sorts of stuff like that. So it's, uh, so yeah, so it's amazing. So so literally uh, like we, we were just shooting each other, like whoever has the camera in their hands is just documenting something. That's great, man. Yeah. yeah. And so is that, um, I guess maybe you could call the day job being the like the wedding shoots and that type of deal. Um, Actually, stuff. You know, at this point, um, it used to be music was what I did for fun, and then video was one hundred percent of how I made money, how I would buy new gear and how I would upgrade the uh, the music um, production line and all that kind of stuff. But lately, because of the nature of royalties and because of the nature of how Spotify, how consistent it is. The fact that it's three months ahead and the fact that you have access to all the analytics. Now the music has kind of become uh, the bread and the butter is really whatever video work comes in. And lately, even though I'm primarily a shooter, um, it's been really like taking on editing work from other people who are shooting a ton and are a little bit slower in post. So what I've been doing is just getting hard drives from people and uh, cutting up all their videos for them. And that'll pad out like a few months of, of uh, living expenses. And then you could just do music and the music comes in every month and that could be more of the, you know, the whatever. But I, but the, the day job has kind of become music and the video is if we get an extra gig here and there, it ends up being the way that we um, are investing back into ourselves. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, man. That's great. That's, uh, yeah, that's like the dream. You're there. Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's so nice of you to say that. It's, um, it's amazing. I, I've actually thought about this at length, but I, I like, I remember, um, I, I have a hard time with anxiety and depression at the same time. It's kind of one of those double edged swords. Yeah. I, do too, man. Yeah, it's, and that's, it's I think that's part of what, uh, what connected me. Your music's super emotional. And I was like, holy shit, I can. Oh, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, it's um, it's pretty transparent. Like the uh, all the stuff is pretty literal, and uh, yeah, so so um, so a uh, little anxious, a little depressive, and I would often be sitting around just. You know, you have a lot of spare time when you do kind of creative work like this. You make your own schedule. And I'd be sitting around literally going like, I think I might have one of the finest lives that anyone has ever had in that I have full creative freedom. I'm not so rich that my money is my main thing that I'm doing is like protecting my wealth and it doesn't alienate me from people. You know, it's not as though I'm so wealthy that people change near me because, you know, that's what money kind of does to people. I have full, like I can make whatever I'd like. There's nothing that goes in between me and the audience. And the audience is anybody with an internet connection. Like I just remember thinking like, I can't believe that I could be glum in a time where I have every luxury and then like all sorts of luxuries that people aren't going to be experiencing until um, something like a concept like universal basic income comes into place, you know? And I just remember thinking like, this truly is the dream. And yet somehow there's still some piece missing. And, and, and in that time, it turned out to be like, you know, being a creative allowed me to kind of sleep whenever I wanted, eat as little or as much as I could choose. Like I, I kind of ended up having no infrastructure. This is a whole different um, whole different thing. But uh, but yeah, it turned out it was exercise. It's all the kind of stuff that, that the... Uh, the stuff that um, you know Steve Jobs would tell you to do, or uh, Tribe of Mentors. Um, you know what's that guy's name? Four Hour Work Week. You know, oh, or, Tim Ferriss. Yeah, Tim Ferriss. Yeah, it's all the stuff that they talk about. It's like meditation, eating well, having a schedule, and all that stuff. And um, in that time, actually, since we're talking about making, like my making has skyrocketed. I've been able to put out tunes every week because of having the structure. But um, but yeah, anyway, I'm living the dream. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. And sometimes, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely feel that, and it's weird to be within that because for the first nine years of doing this it was super touch and go it was it was so incredibly down to the wire all the time that it's been uh, it's been really nice the last year or two to actually have an opportunity to breathe and now figure out what to do with that time well shoot i want to dive into uh maybe a specific song oh please, and, i'd um, love to let's do it in the process um that being i really love you that is my hands down favorite song of yours oh thank you that that actually man it is it is so wild that people have an opinion of my work like this. Amazingly, doing this stuff, it's truly, you're in a bubble. Like, there's, I, I don't know that if I played a show in Montreal, I could bring 50 people to it. Like, it's such a weird, like, I'm doing this, and I, I did a, another interview this morning, and it's some of the first press I've ever done, really. Speaking it's amazing, of, man. Who yeah, is that one? Uh, there's this magazine called vocalist magazine <laughs> okay. uh they're exactly. uh yeah it's pretty cool they're they've got like madonna and beyonce and these kinds of people on the cover i'm i have a feeling i'll be in the back towards the ads probably but i'm i am so grateful that anyone just wants to have it appear. so i really love you yeah that's a um that is the tune that convinced my label that they were kind of down to work with me in a in a more real capacity i don't know what it was about that song but they really felt that it was um it was uh, like enough of everything that it might have some legs. So I'm glad that they were justified in thinking that. And I'm glad that, you, that you're that you getting something out of it. Um, yeah, and it goes back to that, just that, you know, the emotional, it's a super emotional song. And yeah, it's it's amazing. I, I really connected, um, um, yeah, like when you follow, you know, the line you say, I forget specifically, but. Yeah, of course, of course. When I fall apart. And I know oh, I will. I know. Yeah, and I'll, I'll pay the bill. Like that one for me just really, yeah, just really rung true. And when I fall apart, you know I will. Just know I'm sorry, and I'll pay the bill. 
but I hope you noticed. I really love. Yeah, so so um, I was in a uh, I was in this on and off like ten year relationship um, in from two thousand seven essentially until right before I, I got with Elena. That uh, that that song is completely centered around. Um, and that song, that line specifically is, is before I even had the language of what anxiety was, I just knew that there were moments where I would go legitimately insane, where I would just act like not myself and certain environment um, inputs would cause me to suddenly be very insecure or feel very, um, I don't know, just not, just act like, it's real like, Jekyll and Hyde kind of scenario, you know, because I sometimes I would just literally fall apart. I would just totally lose sight of whatever I was doing. And um, paying the bill was, was uh, not only was I kind of being the financial center of the relationship, but I would also just kind of compromise on myself to make it come together somehow. Like I would pay the bill and I would, you know, I'd figure out a way to make it right in some capacity. And um, yeah, the whole, it's funny that you, that you mentioned that, that one specific because that, that turnaround actually ends on a, uh, ends on a weird chord. It, it, it ends on a chord that's outside of the actual diatonic scale of the song of the key. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the purpose of that was to really drive home the fact that when I do compromise, it, it is that it's a compromise that is outside of my comfort zone, outside of the key of who I am, if you want to think about it that way. Um, wow. So I'm glad, I'm glad that you're into it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's um, just like those nuances of, you know, your creative process and, and deciding, intentionally deciding, I'm going to end this out, you know, out, on, with a chord outside of this this scale. That's awesome, man. Yeah, so that kind of stuff really, really comes again. And other stuff is is actually surprisingly unintentional. Like, so the way I usually make these tunes is I'll record the guitar first, and then I'll program the drums and such after the fact. So the tunes themselves end up with a lot of really interesting kind of syncopated rhythms. Syncopation mm-hmm. being, um, for those who are unaware, is kind of like reggae is the purest example of syncopation because the the whole like the the rhythm that the reg that reggae guitar especially or organ um, has is on the and so it's like one and two and three and and it comes on the and which is not where you would normally expect. Um, a hit to land so it ends up being what's called syncopation where the rhythm kind of goes in a way you don't expect and I really love you is is a is a uh, it's a long syncopation that when you start playing it over and over again it ends up sounding like it's back in 4-4 and it's kind of this interesting thing and it was totally accidental it was literally like I just recorded on the guitar and then when I started programming the instruments behind it and recording the other instruments on top of it um, it ended up being this really weird time signature that jumps from like five to seven back to four, you know. Man. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. It's a mix of these very intentional decisions and then some things are just kind of the Bob Ross happy accident. <laughs> That's an awesome reference. Oh, he's my boy. Bob Ross, <laughs> it's gotta be. That guy is like the closest thing we had to Jesus Christ coming back. You know what I mean? Yeah, truly. He's the man. He just was like, look, you're great <laughs> the way you are. And, and he just tried to drill that home. Uh, through thick and thin, and then his son took it up. <laughs> He's like, now I'm going to continue preaching the message of like, you're just peaches already. That's awesome. <laughs> Dude, you are um, with the music. And yeah, and I think that's what draws me to it specifically is the uniqueness of it. And you, 
what's the background of it? Like, are you completely, completely self-taught or just even hearing you speak of, um, this thorough understanding of syncopation or the, you know, what you were explaining there? It's yeah. What's your background on it? My background, I'm, I'm actually totally, totally self-taught. Yeah. When, when I was, um, when I was 17, I picked up guitar. Like I said earlier, I'm late to everything. So I was, I was in my, essentially my senior year of high school when I picked up the instrument. Um, the first time I sang was the first recording I ever did. I paid the one time I paid a studio to record something. I literally got in the booth and was like, okay, like, right. One of us has to sing. <laughs> I just didn't think, I didn't think it out. You know, I didn't connect the dots that I might have to, uh, someone's got to put a lead line over it. So I was just like, scribbling down the lyrics and singing just kind of what I thought it was completely tone deaf. Um, I remember being in school and passing the demo around and my music teacher was like, I was playing a trumpet in uh, like our school's band, which was most of the kids had never played an instrument before. So it was really like an introduction to reading music and et cetera. Um, But he was like, you should not pursue music (laughs) as a living. Like, don't do this. You will make a mistake. You seem to be adequately good at English and math, like pursue something with that. Um, similarly, my senior high school uh, talent show, uh, they were like, just don't sing. Like instrumental music is cool. There's a lot of great instrumental guys. Just do that. Uh, so, and, and you know what the funny thing is? They were completely, completely correct. Like at the time, I was so late to the game and no one could have predicted that Spotify and home recording and home distribution would become a thing. This is in 2007. This was many, many years before even SoundCloud would exist. You know, most people were hosting their tunes on MySpace at the time. Right. Um, so, so they were right to think those things. But uh, just pure, pure, unfiltered naivete. I was like, I am just going to do this. Um, I had always had access to technology. My parents were very quick to get the internet and computers, and I was very quick to learn how to uh, build computers and to to get cheap parts so that I could put things together and have a better performing system that I should have for how much money I had, all that kind of stuff. It's just really like the Malcolm Gladwell concept of being an outlier. I was put in a very unique position where my parents were not only fine with me not going to college, they it was like, as long as you're doing something, as long as you're keeping busy, it doesn't really matter. So thankfully with uh, a ton of time, an access to an internet connection and YouTube, I was able to just find all of the pieces and all of the resources that I needed to at least get started. And to this day, I mean, uh, yesterday I was in a cafe just looking up mixing tutorials, you know, just continuously building on the knowledge and really trying to expand on it constantly, trying to always play new stuff. And you can kind of see, I mean, if you watch my videos, I have videos from 2009, I believe, up on my YouTube channel. I mean, you see it, like the style changes from from just like very straight ahead, like Jack Johnson style strumming to um, like finger style. I got really into this guy, tallest man on earth and really into that kind of finger picking stuff. And that translated into country blues and bluegrass, and you know, so it's, so it kind of it kind of covers the spectrum. And somehow, in the last decade or so, I've just accumulated enough skills where I could pretty confidently explain syncopation on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, like it's gotten to that place where I can kind of piece it together. But um, but yeah, I, I, I it's it's kind of like a very um very wide, very shallow uh, knowledge. Just it's just enough that I can put together the pieces and, and kind of like put a pack, like, you know, like put a, like, you know how like you put a website up and sometimes the back end is a total disaster, <laughs> but the front end is just enough that people can scroll and shoot an email out. 
that's kind of how I feel about my whole project is like behind the scenes. It's like me, you know, thumbing holes in the wall and putting duct tape up and just like desperately <laughs> trying to get it going. And then by the time I walk out into the front, it, it looks like, okay, this guy's doing something. Honestly, man, I've got to say like from an, from an outside perspective, you know, um, kind of that front end of the, of the website, the front end of just consuming your music, your content, it's, it comes together and comes off very well. Honestly. Oh, thank you. That mean, that actually means a lot to me because it, it's such a, uh, it's such an insular job, right? You're just kind of doing it day in, day out and people reach out to you, but it ends up, it's just over email or Instagram. Like it's not very human, you know, and it, you end up feeling like you're on an island and, and, and then you look at your stats and you're like, a hundred thousand people are tuning in every month, but but again, it doesn't like I don't do press, I don't do a lot of shows, so it really sometimes can be, you know, especially if you start getting into uh, a negative headspace, it can really feel as though you're not pulling it off, you know, and it's not coming together. So so hearing you, um, someone who clearly has an appreciation for this kind of thing, it's nice to know that from an outside perspective, which is all that really matters. Um, it seems to be something. <laughs> you have a super unique, and I, I initially reached out to you asking because as a musician myself, I wanted to uh, just understand the process of kind of how you, your production process, you know, and you're between the compression and the effects and it's just a super unique sound, really. Oh, thanks. I, I think it's um, it's kind of the benefit of... Uh, not having someone looking over your shoulder and making sure that you don't break anything, you know, because you're working in a DAW, you're working in a digital space where, you know, tape is cheap. You know, you can kind of run it as long as you'd like. You can do as many takes as you'd like. Um, there's nothing you could do that will completely ruin anything because there's no cost and you can undo and reverse, uh, you know, 200 steps if you make a, some sort of grave error. I think the combination of everything ends up coming together as what somebody might call um, unique. You know, uh, I think it's, it's the lack of outside input. It's the lack of pieces that are moving because I'm literally um, judge, jury and executioner on everything. Like I said, <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse, but you are making every decision and you are truly not only writing the parts, but you're placing the mics and you're compressing and you're doing all this stuff and, and uh, it ends up being an unfiltered representation of your vision for something. If you are the type of person who can hate it and put it out anyway, which thankfully I am, you can, you know, potentially make a career out of doing it because now it, it's just very efficient. It's very effective. You know, you don't have to answer to anything, and that allows you to put out enough material that over the over time you can kind of expedite your your ability by putting in your 10,000 hours fairly quickly. You know what I mean? Because you're not relying on somebody who is going on vacation and your mix guy is just out of town and then your masterer, you know, it's, it's all this kind of stuff. So, so for me, it just sounds like to this day when I put stuff out, it just feels as though there's everybody on Spotify and then there's just me, <laughs> you know, like there's just this thing that doesn't sound like the other stuff. Um, and because of that, my instinct might be that isn't good. Like you want to be able to fit into the pack to a certain degree, and especially when you're talking about production, you're talking about EQ and compression, all these things. Um, 
But at the end of the day, I know that it's what you're saying, which is uh, there's, there is a type of person in the world who loves something for what it isn't, you know, similar to how I play guitars that looks like they have like someone use them as a canoe paddle at some point. Um, it's that same thing. It's just like, like the, the instruments I'm playing is I'm playing them because they aren't this other thing. It isn't this right. thing that's off the wall, that's brand new and polished and, and chic and everything. So, so I'm really glad that the way that I'm doing this is coming across to you and the other people who are listening as something that is, it, yeah, like you said, like it doesn't sound like the other stuff, um, which to me is the highest praise because all I'm hearing is it doesn't sound like the other stuff, you know, which can be a bad thing. Um, so, so I'm glad that it's not coming coming across like that. Yeah, it's it's awesome, man. Truly, nice. Thank you. And, um, <laughs> to your point of the that's crazy. The guitar paddle for those those listening, I'll put it in the show notes. It's just at Jesse Daniel Smith on Instagram, right? Yes. So you've uh, you post different videos of your your Gibsons and shots of your guitars. What's that collection like now? Well, it used to be if if I look at the uh, if I look at the grand scheme of things, it was quite large. But now I I tend to live as minimally as humanly possible. So now I've got only five guitars. Even though at a time there was a time where I and there's like photos that I don't know if they're up on Instagram anymore. But I used to just be uh, obsessive. I just wanted to have like every model and make that I can um, for the for to have the variety. You know, for recording purposes, I really wanted to have this whole spectrum of things in case I needed to grab it. But um, but lately, I've been really obsessed with uh, Gibson. Before this, I played a lot of Fender and a lot of Martin stuff. Um, but yeah, lately Gibson, I've got a, I have a a '69 Gibson ES125 that I recently converted right-handed to left-handed. There was a guy here out in uh, Victoria, BC, where I'm staying currently. Nearby, I'm nearby there. Um, he was. He had a music store that closed down, and he had this old Gibson that just looked like hell. Like it just looked like it was. Uh, like I said, like used as a canoe paddle. Um, so I, I got it off him for essentially a steal, and I went down to this local music shop and uh, just asked him to flip it. Um, so now there's like big gaping holes in it everywhere where the electronics used to be, and it's just the best thing of all time. And then uh, for the acoustic guitar, I'm using a Gibson J45. And it might be the most expensive one <laughs> ever made purely because it's left-handed and uh, you end up paying like 50% more than anyone else is paying for instruments. Uh, but it's uh, beautiful. The pair of them are super, super dark and just so versatile. You can kind of do anything with them. Um, yeah, it's just the best. Then at home uh, in Montreal right now and sitting in, a, uh, sitting in a case, I've got the Paul McCartney left-handed violin bass, the Hofner. Oh, just, yeah. Yeah, it's super light. It's just, it weighs nothing. The neck is incredibly thin and it's just, it plays like a guitar. You could just like shred on it because everything is so close together and it's just such a fun instrument to play. Um, and uh, and the Holy Grail instrument is this left-handed Frankencaster. It's like it's some Telecaster mock-up. It's a fi- it looks like a 52. It looks like the one that Springsteen plays. And legend has it that the person who made this very specific left-handed instrument was the guitar tech for Bruce Springsteen who made it. Yeah. Who made it for a guy that works at Schwartz's, which is a famous Montreal deli. And he literally walked across the street one day and pawned it and just couldn't pay the pawn back. And I just walked in and bought it for 600 bucks. 
when I took the pick card off to clean it, there was a message from this woman, Elizabeth, who was like, dear Mike, never quit your dreams. This guitar represents all the things you're going to do. <laughs> like all this kind of Seriously? stuff. So now, yeah. So now I just play with the pick card off of it. And I just let that story kind of yeah. remind me to keep my head down and not to, uh, not to, you know, not to put myself in a position where I have to start pawning my favorite instruments. And, uh, yeah, so that that's kind of the connection right now. And, and then I have a classical guitar that's like just off the rack, like four hundred bucks, left-handed nylon string. That honestly is, um, it's actually the skeleton of the whole new record. I almost went to college and got a job, and uh, I write most of the tunes on that. I just love that thing. Just play. It plays like an electric guitar, but it's super quiet. You know, that's what. Um, you know, I'm not as into my music personally as I used to be. Sure, um, but that's. Uh, I think I got mine at a, uh, in the in the states here. To well, do you have Guitar Center in uh, Canada? No, we don't. We have this thing called Longham McQuaid, but it's gotcha. very it's the same it's the same thing. But we just don't have as many. If I understand correctly, before it was shutting down everywhere, Guitar Center was like a staple, right? Like every town would kind of have yeah. one. Yep. Yeah. So I I got this in Spokane, Washington, not too far out of Montana. Here, okay, I was just and, in the bush uh, actually. You what? The bush, Washington, recently. Oh, really? That's yeah, awesome. Nice. Well, they filmed Twilight. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. Good. <laughs> no, yeah, it's just uh, that very cheap. I think a hundred bucks is nylon string, uh, oh, but I, I love that man. It's uh, just kind of my my all around. Like you said, for writing is great. Yeah. For someone who doesn't play as often, my I lose the uh, and I have lost the calluses. The calluses, yeah. yeah, exactly. That'll get you. Then it's not fun. As soon as it's as soon as you got to put the training wheels back on. You're like, man, I got on this bike to rip it, you know? <laughs> I don't want it to put the wheels back on and relearn it. The uh, the classic guitar, yeah, it's just perfect for that. hundred bucks, it'll stay in tune. You never have to change the strings. <laughs> it's just amazing. Truly. Yeah. Dude, to that point, um, which, uh, which of your guitars do you mainly play lead on? And the lead parts, super soulful, super bluesy on every song. Oh, thank you. Like 182 cover is just like, Awesome. Oh, thanks. I really appreciate that. I've uh, I've always considered myself this guitar player first. You know, I always wanted to be regarded as a guitar player, and recently I've kind of I've kind of mellowed out. I'm realizing that like I should probably start being happy that people are into my vocal. You know, like for the longest time that was the thing I was most insecure about, and now it's the only thing that people talk about, which I truly love, and I truly am very very thankful for it. But you mentioning the guitar part just warms my heart in a very particular way because I. Uh, yeah, I just love it. I just love it. I was super inspired by um guys like uh, the the line for me is is Hendrix, Steve Ray Vaughan, John Mayer. That feels like this very like very literal step to this double stop major pentatonic approach to writing stuff. Um and I'm super super into that. And then there's this dude named Blake Mills. Oh, I love who, Yeah, Blake Mills is the boy and he told me uh you know through through watching every YouTube video he's ever put out kind of this um, this beautiful way of using inversions and using the cage system and using open guitar chord shapes in closed positions and how what that can do to your playing and how musical it can make it and how much it can open up the neck. Um, so so the combination of those things. So I, I normally play my lead parts on that Franken, Frankencaster, that one I have at home. Uh, but lately, because uh, I'm out here in BC with just kind of this, this uh, SM7B, and my laptop and these two Gibsons, one of which I bought here, I'm been doing everything on this ES125 through a little like Fender practice amp. Uh, like everything on the new, I have a new cover record that just came out and everything on that album is played through this like $100 Fender uh, practice amp. And then the ES125 just sounds killer. 
Um, and then I use a lot of, um, I use a lot of like uh, tape saturation and, uh, and uh, this thing called the Wolf uh, compressor, which is the guys from Wolfpack, the like kind of new funk band that they they release this very specific thing hmm. uh, with a bit of a modeling software, and you end up what like kind of in proximity, you're like tweed amp adjacent. Um, so I've been doing everything on on those right now. But when I get home, it'll probably be the skeleton will be the J45 acoustic, the lead uh, will be the Frankencaster, and the ES125 will go back to its rightful place of solid rhythm instrument you know um right. but uh but i really appreciate saying that they're soulful and, and i'm glad that you like them I, I the electric guitar part is by far the thing i spend the longest on in every tune like the acoustic happens very very quickly the drums come following that immediately i usually lay a vocal on it which is pretty fast it's like thankfully at this point i've, I've kind of figured out what i'm good at and what i'm not so it comes out pretty quick and then the guitar is where you're like i write it while recording so sometimes you're doing like a hundred takes of 16 bars trying to figure out what that very tasteful line is going to be. And then as soon as you release it, you're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> you know, this isn't working. And then the next time you get another shot at trying to write that very cool guitar part. Man, this is seriously like, I know for the listeners and for, this is awesome, Jesse, to hear into this. Uh, oh, okay. I'm so, I love talking about it. I'm so thankful that you asked me to do it. Yeah, man. Kind of going back to the gear, what uh, what are you mixing and editing in? What software? And then also, um, I mean, expand on on that. But what is one tool? I, I just curious. What's like one software, one tool you couldn't do without? Just one. Love it. I love it. Okay, so so uh, so I use Logic X, and I absolutely love it because it's a perfect environment to kind of mix as you're going to work with software instruments as well as acoustic instruments. It allows you to move very quickly and comping takes and adding time signature changes and tempo changes you can do while like flipped over with a guitar in your lap and headphones on and you're reaching back and using a trackpad. Like it kind of makes it, it's very functional, even if you only have one available hand to do stuff. So it ends up kind of being perfect. And on top of that, it ends up being, it's like $99 now, I think. Hmm. And you end up with this complete suite. Um, and all these amazing presets that come with it, all these amazing uh, VSTs that come with it, these amazing compressors, and you, like you literally have everything you need to put out a great record for like a hundred bucks. And it, they update it and they make it better constantly, and it has auto tuning if you need that. It's got it literally has everything you could possibly need, um, and then like fifty things I'll never use. You know? Yeah, I, I remember buying Pro Tools nine. Back in, uh, I saved up for, for months. Yeah, back in two thousand eight, um, six hundred bucks, and Ooh. for you know for a, a high, um, just coming that's huge. High Good for yeah, you for getting it too, man, and not just getting it illegally. I've right. been there, but it's it's nice that you supported the people. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, but yeah, to hear, and then I know now they have like what's called Pro Tools First, where you can actually do monthly subscription. But yeah, hundred bucks, logic yeah, everything. Everything's moving to that cloud, which is pretty handy, honestly. Like I'm pretty into it. Um, to answer your question, if there's one tool that I that I I absolutely couldn't do without, there's this thing called R compressor that hmm. Waves makes, and it takes just the guesswork out of compression. It just has the smoothest, and you can literally put it on everything, and it just sounds killer. Like it's it's just like it doesn't squash it as much. 
And like I said, it, it really does take the guesswork out of it, which I think is most people's issue with this kind of thing. You know, yeah, it's compression's got, like, tough. Compression's tough. Here's a, a little tip for anyone who's having a hard time with compression. Throw an opto on your vocal and thank me later. <laughs> uh, it compresses more as you push into it and it really makes a vocal, which is by far the most dynamic thing you're recording, come together really, really nicely. But our compressor, if you and if you can swing it, the RDSer, which gets rid of the sibilance, the hard S's, as I'm sure you know, doing a podcast and whatnot, those two combined end up on most of the things and it really kind of smooths out and gives you that sheen that separates you from an amateur mix for sure. The compressor and the and then for the things that need it, the DSer, the R brand ones, literally super simple. They don't look like anything, but you start putting it on stuff and it's just like, it's like they're not there. It just makes the whole track better. That's awesome. Yeah. Just- I could talk about this forever, actually. If you want to, if I could take it one step beyond that, gain staging, just in general as a concept, people should be doing that, which is making sure that the audio itself is at the right level going into the plugins. Right. That's the whole thing. You can actually adjust the gain so it's coming in around negative 12 and that'll really make the plugins have to work a lot less. You can go through and kind of gain stage individual words sometimes and that'll make compression a lot lighter. It'll have to work a lot less and that'll be better overall. But anyway, that's tangentially you know, going off a little bit. But yeah, the R compressor, man, that's, that's the lifesaver if you're looking to, like I said, just take the guesswork out of it. Just have a smoother output. Do you hand, uh, hand master things or do you have like a a program you, you throw it into or so so actually so the last like 15 tunes and the whole cover record i've mixed through headphones mm. which is as anybody knows is like a nightmare and completely a faux pas like you're really really not supposed to do that uh but i just don't have speakers like even when i'm recording it's essentially in a closet you know i'm like i just have a little space in this house that i'm seeing it and uh it's like the one mic the shore sm7 that i've got a little audio fuse which is an interface uh, from Arturia that I'm very fond of and it just goes into my laptop and I'm just recording wherever wherever I have room to do it and then I'm mixing in headphones. So what I've been doing for the master lately is I've been outputting it to this uh, Montreal-based company called Lander. Oh, that also, dude, that's yeah. what I'm using. Yeah, well, Lander's amazing and it also has the distribution aspect of it too for those who don't have a label who are uh-huh. connecting the dots. It's amazing. It gets your stuff out there. But uh, the new record it has was actually mixed and mastered by uh, a guy in Manchester who works uh, with a stereo. They, it's kind of like the mixer that they have on deck. Um, and uh, I've never, I've never met the guy. I just kind of send him like my demo and then the, the, the stems, like the individual tracks. And he sends it back, you know, being like a real song. <laughs> so I'm very thankful for that. And that's been kind of a blessing, but for, for all the stuff I do on YouTube and all the covers and all that stuff, that's me. And I'm just doing it as good as I can through logic. There's this thing called Neutron from a company called Isotope and it's like what Lander does but it's for it's for a mixer and it does it for the individual tracks hmm. so it kind of gives you this makes all your if you can if you have the computer power to put it on all your tracks it'll get you to uh to zero like a really good kicking off point um and then you can start making more creative decisions like panning and effects and all that kind of thing that's but awesome. the uh, yeah so so I'm using a, a combination of those two um to to really help get the headphone mixes to a place where they're listenable on most sound systems. But for the most part, what I've found is that people are way more relaxed about it than we think. Like, uh, you know, like the, especially being a musician as someone who's, who makes records, there is a very, uh, there's a kind of a precedent set about um, audio fidelity 
And that's really what people are going after. But for the most part, like some of my most popular tunes are the ones that happen very quickly in the worst possible recording scenario with like no master, just mixed super loud and then output onto Spotify. Hmm. That's interesting. Actually, I'm going to go a step further with it and tell you something that I don't think most people know, which is that some of the tunes on my original record, and I won't say which ones because I don't want to out it too much, are are MP3 rips from YouTube videos. Really? Because I was like, I didn't have any masters. I was like just a guy making tunes in my house. And I was like, you know what? Distribution is easy now. I'm going to make a record. I'm going to call it The World Doesn't Need Another Record. I'm going to be very self-aware. And I'm just going to throw it out, not thinking it would be anything. Um, And uh, it's since had a kind of a very small, but very cult, like people who like it are really, really into it. Um, Yeah, and some of those tunes are like the lowest quality MP3 you could possibly imagine. Just export it out as a WAV file and, and put on Spotify, and no one has ever said a single thing about it. Man, isn't that crazy? That's wild. Yeah, truly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's wild. And since then, I've become a little bit more anal about keeping masters and keeping mixes and stuff. But yeah, some of those OG tunes, I just yeah, I just delete. I'm like, I need space on my computer. You know, we were talking about space earlier. I just get rid of it, and uh, not realizing that somebody might want to use it for something in the future. You know. Yeah, man, I've I've been there too, though. I mean, just starting out, kind of innocently, not knowing what uh, you know that that wave is going to be way better than than like an MP3 rip from a yeah. YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, you just don't even. It's not. And yeah, sadly, I knew full. I knew full well what I was doing. I was just like, but I, I just didn't have any other. It was the only version of the tune that existed on the oh, internet. Gotcha. And I was like, I'm just going to throw it up because it has. You know, it's got. 6,000 YouTube listens at the time or whatever, a simple Friday night or something like that. So you're like, I guess I'm just going to use this. Because again, at that point, no one's listening. Like the worst thing that's going to happen is that someone's going to stumble upon it and, and notice that maybe it's low res. But at that time, I truly was not a defeatist, but more of a realist of, I, I never realized that just putting tunes out would be enough. You know, I always thought that I would have to get the press agent and the manager and the label and all these pieces together, they would get me the connection necessary to maybe get a listenership. I like, again, like I don't, I don't think anybody could have predicted that the discover weekly Spotify playlists were going to start exposing all sorts of underground artists and just put them next to Boney Vare and fleet foxes right. and all these groups. Um, and the person isn't thinking anything of it. They just hear Boney Vare, then my tune. Then another, then Fleet Foxes or something like that, and they don't think anything of it. They just save it, and then suddenly it starts racking up listens. And then you know what I mean? It just kind of happens very organically, where you can just put stuff out, and then that's enough. But at the time, this was truly unheard of. It was more just you know I have these eight tunes. They have a lot of plays on SoundCloud. I might as well put them up on the streaming platforms just in case somebody you know finds it and wants to listen to it on the go or something. Um, I, I would have never imagined that I would end up paying my bills. And this this is all within the last two years, honestly. Hmm. That's amazing, man. Truly. Yeah. It, it is amazing. It's such a good time to be a, an artist. Yeah, it truly. I, I know that you're, you you really adopt all the, the mediums or the platforms too. I mean, between the YouTube videos and Spotify and yeah. And like I said, before we hit record here, before the call, um, that that's where I discovered you. And it was directly next to Justin Vernon, Boney Vary, you know, it's like, and, and he, and I, I used to bike to and from Walmart when I worked there in 2009 or so listening to, uh, RE stacks off of yeah. Forema forever ago, man, that was, that was the, that 
tune just censored me and got me ready for another eight hours of <laughs> what is essentially exploitation. I mean, let's be real. Like Walmart, everything you've heard about it is 100% true. And it was just a, I worked in the Christmas section, which is like a pop-up section. It was nightmarish, you know, and I was as far away as you could possibly imagine from music success at that point, watching all my friends uh, go to university and, you know, what I believed would end up being a, a just a, a, not a, not a free ride, but university is what you did. You know, you went to university and then you got out of that, you got a job, you got a house immediately following that. Like it was when you're 18, 19, 20 years old, like this seems, you see people in school, it's so easy to feel insecure about working at Walmart and recording tunes on the internet, something that is not anything and it wouldn't be for another five or six years. Um, so so listening to Bon Iver was kind of the the shining light of my of my morning and my evening when I would get out of work. So now to be featured on a playlist next to him um, so casually and for other people to experience his tunes right next to mine is it's like a just a beautiful circle closing. You know what I mean? It's just such oh, a amazing. Again, you have to be so thankful that the technology exists. Right. Yeah. That that is that's beautiful, man. Truly. I mean, to hear your perspective of what he meant to you and then now. Oh, it's everything. I, I wear this toque all the I'm just always wearing this these hats. I have these these hats that are just like I don't know what it is. There's, there's definitely days where I where I throw on um throw some moose up or whatever but for the most part i just kind of get up and throw a hat on and i start getting my day going and it's based on this one video of bon Iver playing um flume at a radio station and he's just wearing this he's wearing this hat on the top of his head like above his ears and i'm like this is it this is like permanently part of what i'm doing right the orange uh yeah for him yeah, yeah i was exactly. like this is the coolest <laughs> thing i've ever seen like i was so malleable at that time <laughs> i was right. so ready for influence that I was just like, this is everything. This guy, he just had figured it out. He couldn't, you know, he was not traditionally beautiful. He didn't have a traditionally powerful male voice. Nothing was going for him. And he was just changing hearts and minds with these t- tunes that were like C and E minor and G every time. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. It was just everything. It was like seeing, yeah, like, have you ever heard this thing where, um, where on Coney Island, July 4th, they have this hot dog eating contest? You ever hear about this? No. So the legend has it that, and when I say legend, I mean like this is, it's, it's you know, the internet existed. We've, we've got facts about it now. The, everyone's eating, you know, like 20 hot dogs in like an hour. People are freaking out. This is crazy. This, this cat from Japan comes down and sp- crushes the record by eating like a hundred of them in one, like just destroys everybody because he, he like dumps it in water and he's, and he's doing it very effectively and he's eating hot dogs in a way that none of these people have seen. The next year, Everyone's crushing 80. Everyone's doing 80 hot dogs now. And in my mind, Bon Iver coming out and just doing the super alt thing and being right. praised by critics and people alike, it was like, it just clicked in my mind. Like, okay, someone has done it. I can also do it. Man. You know, and that kind of fuel is everything when you're first getting going. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it sounds like um, when 4M or Forever Go did come out, it's it was at a crucial, kind of critical, like you said, malleable time for who you as a creator and musician and artist would become. That's, yeah, I just needed it, you know? Like, I loved Smash Mouth, rocking all-star, and having, like, all these insanely, insanely over-the-top, super high-production tunes. But to have a dude, you know, playing a classical guitar with these open strings and, you know, using his thumb and 
falsetto the whole time and everything. it was just like this is perfect this is this is yeah please yeah it's just just like it evens the playing field and suddenly anybody could get in you know and it was even cool if you if you could do like a low production thing lo-fi is is in vogue now you know yeah exactly yeah it's like why are you not in a cabin in wisconsin um, literally literally <laughs> right, no. like, how many people you think are making records at cabins now yeah i bet it skyrocketed you know it's like it's just because now it's like that's what we want we want an anti-studio record you know we want something that is truly like the room itself is a character in this story yeah or i don't know i don't know your cat's name but that character the purring in the oh and damn it yeah yeah man. that's Wallace. <laughs> that's amazing i just i just i really i'm really into stuff like asmr like i'm not personally into it but i love the idea of it this stuff kind of <laughs> creeps me out to be honest i don't it know. creeps me out a little bit but this is what i'm saying is that it's clearly if so many people are into it there's got to be something there. So I figure putting some rain sounds, putting some cat purring at a deep subconscious <laughs> level, you'll have this little added extra bit of comfort when you're listening to the tune. Right. And even if you don't know what it is, it might just be like, ah, oh, this, it just gives me like nice goosebumps and I don't know why, you yeah. know? So it's just trying to, what the hell is that a cat purring like that? <laughs> I love it. There's no rules. Yeah. I'm like, why not put a cat purring in it? People love cat purring. I, I just, I was, rec- when I record this cat Wallace, who's a doll faced Persian, and I know that Elena could just hear me. She's probably just like over the moon that I'm talking about Wallace. Wallace will, when I'm playing, just get in my face and be like, now is the time. Now is when we cuddle. So I just was like, listen, if you're going to alter the process, you're going to become part of it. And I just threw the mic on his belly while I scratched away there. And I had this beautiful, <laughs> beautiful, crisp recording of his deep purr, you know? And I was like, people are, you know, not everyone can have a cat for various reasons, but everybody can get into the the comfort that a cat purring can bring you. Right. Honestly. Yeah. yeah I was Thank actually, you for noticing yeah. that. I wasn't sure. I think I made, I think I made a note about it. Cause I was like, I really want someone to pick up on this. Yeah, man. I, I, I instantly connected. I was actually at work listening to it. And so I, um, my wife and I, we have two cats and one dog and I instantly oh, thought of, thought of the cats, you know, it's like, yeah. It, it was a comfort. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love it. And there's something, there's just something about documenting his purr. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the photos of, of your of your pets and stuff are one thing, but there's just, I don't know what it is. I just love that. And I also put him on the cover of the new record because I was just like, I just want right. this yeah. cat forever. <laughs> I think your, isn't your artist, uh, so I've been, I'll let you know on this one, I have been pumped to have you on the show first off man oh thank you that's so nice of you to say and i i went to open my spotify app your artist page copied the link i've been texting almost spammingly all these different friends like guess who's on the show guess who, you know oh, man. And then <laughs> with ios with um with iphones it'll expand your image and i love that one of you three yeah it's great it's it's one of my favorites it was um that was right right as elaine and i were just getting going on it and we were still in the nascent steps of our dynamic and taking photos is already such an intimate thing. And, and, and we ended up with a few, cause I, I'm like literally on the iPhone taking the photo with a remote cause it's connected to the camera. So I'm just shooting away quietly while you notice that my hand is like behind my back or whatever. And uh, yeah, I love that photo of us. And I was very happy that I had enough tunes together to, to, to put out this new cover record and the photo kind of perfectly, 
it's it kind of like you know it opens it that photo is when it all started happening like right after I took that photo on YouTube you can watch just two videos there's you somebody and dancing in the dark which was these two tunes that we did in our apartment right out like our that photo uh, with the the uh, plants around us and stuff is in the alleyway directly behind our apartment so you open the door and you're just in that alleyway um, and and we were recording tunes there and and I finally had someone to help me make these videos. I was in this giant drought. I just hadn't posted anything because being in front and behind the camera was just too much work. And you do a take and you go and you see that the camera had died halfway through because you're just not, or you're out of focus or something. And that kind of stuff just would would make my uh, kind of perfectionist attitude just would ruin. I would be like, oh, this isn't fun anymore. So right around that time when Elena was not only um, helping me shoot it, but was eager to participate and actually brought kind of a youthful energy to it. Uh, it just, it's, it's, yeah, it's been amazing. It's been like this oasis in the middle of a desert of productivity and, and, and creating stuff. So that photo kind of perfectly encapsulates the the, the whole, the, the last, uh, last year or so of my life where, where we've kind of been all over the place, moving apartments constantly and just making tunes wherever we are. And uh, thankfully in like less than a month, we're going back to our, our like forever home, quote unquote, like the place that we're going to be staying at for the, for the time being and kind of resetting our life and getting it, getting it properly done. So yeah, that photo is perfect. I love it. That's great, man. Yeah. Where, uh, if you don't mind me asking, um, no, what, you said you're in Victoria or in BC. Yeah. So right now we're, we're in a place called New Westminster, which is, uh, Elena's parents place. They were going on their first long vacation and we, we're excited to have an opportunity to watch the house for them mm. and take care of the other cat that lives here. Um, and and what we did in that time was we sold everything we owned. We got rid of the apartment and, and literally everything inside of it and took uh, like a guitar and our clothes and our laptops and stuff and just headed out to BC. Like we didn't even have a camera. We only recently bought a new one. We, we truly kind of burnt the farm and salted the earth. You know, we, we really wanted to have a completely fresh start. And then once we got here, we're like, We'll just figure it out. We ended up getting this beautiful loft space with a mezzanine bed and gorgeous light. And the, the people who are moving like wanted us to buy all the furniture. So we're, we're literally taking a plane to Montreal in a month and we're getting in the door and the whole place is already furnished and ready to go. And it just ended up working out like a miracle. So um, that's amazing. So yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It's truly amazing. And, and the last few months have been a wonderful break to, to get collected and started going to the gym a bunch, started meditating, started doing all these kind of more, um, these things to make me more present and actually mm-hmm. enjoy the process of doing it. Cause like you mentioned earlier, where you, when you said, um, Oh, you're living the dream. It's like only if I think of it that way, cause if I don't, it just, everything ends up being kind of a stressful nightmare. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Only. Yeah. Is that ruminating? Exactly. It's so easy to live in the past and be depressed or live in the future and be super anxious. And it really takes training especially in a world where we're all looking at our phone, we're just waiting for World War III to start. Um, it's so easy to not appreciate and be present and to just be like, right, the reason that you ground or grinded, <laughs> as Elena told me yesterday, um, for eight years was so that you could just sit around and make these tunes. So maybe start enjoying it or else, it'll, you know, like it won't be this forever. So you should probably start noticing it and appreciating it. That's amazing, man. That's that's great too. That she's uh, to have that support and that, that awareness, and to bring you back to being mindful, like you say. That's- yeah, it's huge. It's huge. You know, you just got to get into that Sam Harris and all that stuff, and try to uh, try to try to 
just try to get present, you know? Like I, I think it's I think we take for granted what it is to have an empty mind, to just be sitting and really in taking with your senses instead of just having this dialogue going in your head and you're fighting arguments and you're making up like imagine if that guy walked over to me and started talking to me like what would I say in response to that and you start to lose lose the moment literally you stop being present and you start to uh, start you know just thinking and running ideas and but not in, not in an effective way where you're doing something positive for your life but in a way where you just start waxing poetic on all this you know you know you know what I'm talking about it's just you oh absolutely man it's we grew up in an interesting uh, witnessing that this this transition from I, I personally struggle with this this information overload, like he said, waiting 100%. for yeah, or or working in the tech world or you know on my computer on screens all day. There's programs like Slack messaging. Oh, um, dude, for sure, dude, Slack can just fucking drive you up the wall, or it can be amazing. You know, it's yeah, it's like it's like anything. It's you know, I, I think about this all the time. The um, the half glass full is kind of the compass. It's the it's the basic truth that kind of guides my whole thing, which is if I'm looking at the glass and it's half full, it, there's a good chance I need to eat something. I need to do some push-ups. I need to you know, clean my room. I need to make the bed. I need to answer the email. I need to whatever. And then I'll come back and nothing has changed and now it's half full. That's great, man. Do you find your... Do you find yourself like just, just, do you just grind it out and just nonstop get into the process and you won't move or do anything for hours? Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, it's amazing to understand why you're doing things. I think that the fundamental needs to be that you have some sort of carrot on a stick and you need to understand why you're doing stuff. And I truly believe that having not gotten these tools and again it's easy for me to cast judgment on people around me who raised me and the people and all this but like you know we have the access I have the access of time I have the resource of the internet you know I have all these abil- I have these tools that allow me to come up with this information so but but the, but I was raised in a situation where I wasn't told the motivation for doing things so now when I um when I work out, it's a, it's a re it's not like, Oh, I'm going to become uh, physically beautiful for other people. It's really truly like, if I go to the gym, I will be less anxious and depressed. Like it just, there's a direct correlation there of burning this extra energy off that you accumulate by not moving your body the way that you should, the way that you should be. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, it, it's, it's like, I could talk about this all day, but, but I, I just think that the, the we we've gone from running around and moving and 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 having our schedule correspond to daylights and all these things to sitting and having permanent access to blue light and technology um in in like a hundred years and it's not enough time for our our biology to have changed that much and truly like you have to do some caveman shit like you have to you have to like move your body and you have to you have to sleep at a certain time and all these things um and like i said a moment ago the, the what needs to ring true for you is the motivation and why you're doing these things like the reason i clean immediately after cooking now is is because i understand why you're doing that having a tidy space will actually make you less likely to become irritable and become frustrated and you know you're more likely to pick up your guitar and and kind of mess around with it if the space that the guitar is in is just clean. 
Hmm. You know, but growing up, I never had this. I never had this relationship to cleaning. It just seemed like this thing that got me away from consuming media. You know, but right. but understanding that you will write better songs and you'll do it more frequently if the space you're in is clean and has not extra stuff. Like if you live minimally, you know, if you clean, if you do your dishes immediately after cooking, y- you will just be in a better headspace. Full stop. Um, and, and thankfully having this relationship to these tasks, to the process, to getting up and writing, to getting up and editing or making videos or learning stuff or whatever, understanding that it'll, it'll make my headspace and make my life better in, in just in a very real way. Like the narrative in my head will be more positive if I do these things, these like truths that everybody knows, like exercise, eat well, drink lots of water, get enough sleep all these things, it's not some, it doesn't make you this like, oh, adulting is hard. I have to do these things. It, it's it's truly like your the inner dialogue in your brain will be way more likely to see a glass as half full if you are taking care of these very basic fundamental needs. You know what I mean? Man. That answer was a little sprawling. No, that was amazing, honestly. <laughs> yeah, so, so understanding... <laughs> truly being motivated by th- by an understanding why you're doing these things in a very real way um is is what gets me to to get up and move my body and do anything Man. you know because for years i ignored the gym and i wanted to be shredded i wanted to be ryan gosling you know i wanted <laughs> to look like that but i but it never was enough to get me to the gym what was enough was was going like oh I have, if you if you think in terms of energy, you you have you wake up and your your tank is full, like it's you filled up overnight by sleeping and eating, and consuming calories. Okay, now if you don't kill that energy, your brain is still going to make stuff. It's still going to use it, but it's going to use it by being depressed and being anxious. It's going to make stuff up. It's going to use the energy no matter what you do, but it'll be at 3 a.m. and you'll be sweating and you'll be all these horrible things will be happening to you. But if you get up and you play guitar and you write something and you learn something and you go to the gym and you empty this, you empty your vehicle, when you hit the sack, you will just fall asleep because you, you used the energy that you made from consuming calories and sleeping and blah, blah, blah. And having this relationship with my body and understanding that, you know, like your brain is going to use this energy no matter what. You may as well be productive with it and you may as well turn it into goods and services and turn it into things that makes your life more comfortable instead of, you know, just going to sleep and being like, I'm going to kill the last three hours of my day by, uh, you know, by just anxiously thinking about what happened in high school. Man. That's that's amazing. That is that section there is like the highlight, the tease, the everything for this this episode. Oh, good. There's this lovely, <laughs> lovely puppy barking in the middle of it. So yeah, <laughs> that'll be a nice little. It's like the cat purring. You know? It'll be like a nice little bonus. Right. Yeah. It's another character. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you got some. I I have um, I, I I'm I've been like backhandedly writing a book called How to Be an Anxious Piece of Shit, and. <laughs> And it's this. It's like all about this stuff. I, I have, I have. This is what I've been doing uh, since I got a since I got a record deal. I've kind of been forced to slow down and release things on a schedule and and like actually have a system. 
So I've had a lot of time on my hands and I've essentially used it to try to be happier. And I've and the, all the all the ideas that I've come up with together, I want to make this like, you know, like uh, the ideal would be like a little coffee book. Like you ever get into Austin Kleon? He has two books that are amazing. Uh, How to Steal Like an Artist and uh, Show Your Work, both of which like every artist should definitely consume and also maybe sign up for his newsletter because it's just incredible and it's like just pure creative fuel. But um, but I, I would love to make a little coffee book that was like how not to do it. So how to be an anxious piece of shit would be just like all these things like, you know, don't move your body, you know, don't make yeah. stuff like all these kind of things. So, um, so yeah, so, so that, and that's kind of the, the main idea of it is that if you're in a negative hex space, if you're, in a, if you're in a negative mindset and you start using that energy, you're going to come up with bad stuff no matter what. So if you start doing good stuff and you start consuming that energy in environments that make you happy and comfortable, you will come up with good things. And then by the time you've run out of that energy, hopefully it lines up roughly with when you would normally go to sleep. And then you just pass out and you wake up and it's time to do it again, you know? Yeah, that honestly speaks to me, man. As someone who, with with the web development that I do, the the coding, you know, writing code, and it, it's oh, a lot sure. of front end. It's not, I'm not like... Uh, writing a lot of back-end super complex programming but nonetheless i i just grind and i sit and i don't move and i'm like you i strive to move i want to move i haven't made that step like you have but mm. i know and i've heard and you continue to hear and everything you just said was like an aha moment seriously it's oh like, good dude, i'm, I'm so happy to hear that <laughs> yeah, you got it you owe it to yourself like it, it, you know it's I, I think it's plato who said it who basically ran down like, it's a shame that men don't do what they can to see how strong they can get. And it truly is fun to, in this case, I'm talking specifically about the gym. It is so satisfying to do some ape guy shit and just lift some <laughs> heavy stuff. It is amazing. Your brain like releases these chemicals that are just sitting there just waiting for you to lift something. And then they're like, here you go. Now you're going to feel good <laughs> like, because you did that, you know? Um, it's amazing. And then you start looking, you start feeling great. You know what I mean? The the whole payoff for me is you get to go into the bathroom and change and just look shredded. And you're like, this is crazy. <laughs> I've always been like an anemic artist guy. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. And it, it comes so quickly and it's so satisfying. And then it's as soon as you're okay with looking like a goof in front of the other people at the gym, it's the rest is easy as hell. And it, the benefits are instant. Man. You just feel like a million bucks after. It's, it's, I'm telling you, I can't stress, I cannot recommend enough going to the gym. And the reason I say the gym specifically is that they have machines there that just really streamline the experience. If you start doing like home weights and home exercises, mm-hmm. it's very easy to be discouraged because bad form, bad technique, it makes you hurt. It's not very nice. You're in your house. It's where you do everything else. You know, It's where you cook and shit and do everything. It's, it's, not, it's not good. Like You really want to get into a space where it's truly like I do one thing here and all these machines are specifically designed to do it in the fastest and most efficient way possible. And uh, I'm telling you, it's like the, literally like you, people have to be doing it. Unless, of course, they work, unless they are just the salts of the earth and they're actually important people who are like making the lights turn on and making the streets and making the things. Like these people are the best and they they work their bodies all day and then they come yeah. home and of course they sleep at five o'clock because it's like they are just killing it they're ma- they're making it they're they're giving me the ability to go on the internet when i'm depressed and look at youtube videos 
these beautiful people who keep the, the world running. You know, it's kind of like, my God, I live in an animal house. This is Wallace, by the way. You can probably hear oh, me. Yeah, this exactly. is what happens as soon as I'm doing something. Um, yeah, yeah. These, these, almost what the college is like, that, that single especially is fully about these people who make the city run, who make the, right. who make the, me able to walk around having this incredibly luxurious, privileged life. Um, these people have it figured out. And, that, and, and anyway, all that being said, you go to the gym, you work your body, and everything just gets easier. Just all the stuff. I can't recommend it enough. That's yeah, that's great, Jesse. Honestly, that uh, again, that's that's the highlight. That's what I'm gonna gotta yes. use there. That's and you spoke to me on that personally. I oh, great! That. And that, that's truly the message I want to get across to people. I'm trying to figure out a way to tell people that they're already so great, exactly how they are, and it can only go up from here. And it's yeah. very, it's so easy to do it without it seem seeming like hokey or like soapboxy. Mm-hmm. So I'm thankful if any of that kind of message was able to come across talking to you like this. That's great. Yeah. Seriously, man. Well, I kind of want to go into a rapid fire, just a few like oh, quick questions. Nice. Lightning round. Let's do it. Yeah. Lightning round. Exactly. Um, you, you mentioned, uh, which I will check out Austin Cleon. I'm not familiar with his books, but. Oh, just, I'm, they're both of them. You could literally, and I, I would recommend buying it to support the guy, but you could literally walk into a bookstore and read it in one sitting. Like it's not, oh, gotcha. it, yeah. And it, and it's just like super clean and it takes the insecurity uh, out of being derivative. So you go like GC and D, this has already been done. And then he, that book will put it in perspective. Like, yeah, but Bob Dylan would take whole lines out of poems and just put them in his tunes. And he want to, He's won like every award you could win for writing and he just straight stole out of people. But the whole thing is that stealing like an artist means that when you show it to other people and you go like, isn't this Boney Vare? They go, no, this is pure Jesse Daniel Smith because that is the, the and it's the process of doing that, of, be, of, of, you know, you are carrying on a tradition that your influences have also been carrying on and they just like throw you the torch and you keep it going for a new generation, you know, like you keep it moving. Hmm. Um, but you That's have to participate in that and you have to make art even if you feel as though it's been done the people who are exposed to it probably have never seen the influences and the way you're doing it if you're really an artist it'll be unrecognizable to everybody else right it's your unique take on that yeah and show your work is how to do social media really as oh, an artist okay. and it's beautiful yeah well but anyways I, sorry, sorry, I, this is lightning I slowed you down go ahead <laughs> no worries yeah I, I suppose beyond that what other what other books uh yeah, would you would you recommend? Uh, yeah, I, I'm only going to make one recommendation. Read everything that Dale Carnegie has done. So, awesome. like, how to win, how to win friends and influence. Yeah, got to. Uh, how to stop worrying and start living. That's the book on anxiety. Beautiful. Uh, and the other one, I can't remember the full title of it, but it's like it's like how to speak in front of people. Essentially, it's like how to be a powerful right. speaker. All three are like pamphlet books, and it gives you, uh, like gospel for how to communicate with other people and how to put down the walls. You know, you read those books and you start talking to people with true sincerity and they'll start, it'll be one of those things where they go like, oh, I'm telling you things that I've never told anybody or like, I don't normally talk like this. Um, and and it's because adapting the information into your real life will just make every interaction with people so much more pleasant. And and it's just, you can connect with people at a human level so quickly. So I would truly, if you, if you, if you were going to read one book in the rest of your life, read How to Win Friends and Influence People. And it'll truly uh, make the world feel less alienating. And it'll feel less alone. You'll start to be like, ah, oh, okay, 
I get, I get where that people are coming from. You know, it's like the Bob Ross approach and the uh, Mr. Rogers approach and the, you know, like being like truly sincere all the time. Authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Just authentic. And it, and it, it, you become like a, people will start seeking you out for, because it's like comforting to be with someone who is like sincerely listening and participating in a conversation. Um, so yeah, so definitely, definitely, definitely read the Dale Carnegie books for sure. Absolutely, man. Couldn't agree more. What, uh, who's your biggest, uh, inspiration? My biggest, I mean, uh, on a musical level or just on a personal level? Um, does it matter? Yeah, let's say uh, we'll get to the music one. I, I I just had to glance at my outline. Yeah, so personal. So uh, from a personal, it's got to be the the Bob Rosses and the Mister Flanders. Mister Flanders, it's got to be the Mister Rogers. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's got to be. Just like they just preached the purest message of you. It's just like you can stop being the uh, both the uh, sculptor and the ivory. You know, like you don't have to be both. You don't have to like chip away at yourself in order to make progress. You can do it through loving yourself and just, you know, like being happy right now. Um, definitely. And then, and then just because I'm just going to tag it in from a musical one, there's this guy named Daniel Johnston. Hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He's a schizophrenic songwriter yeah. and, he's, and he's since passed away, but um, he just is the guy he's like the purest art he has this tune called true love will find you in the end that i just love and i I actually have a version of it on youtube that i I made years ago um it's just like he had no right to be a a a singer songwriter like he just couldn't sing a note couldn't play guitar couldn't do anything he he was so ineffective at what he was doing that he would re-record his whole album every time he needed to to give it to somebody because he didn't know how to copy tape Wow. And he just Damn. through pure gusto took on the world. And you had guys like Kurt Cobain wearing a shirt and and he just he played like these he just he's now regarded as one of the finest songwriters because he just went for it. He just went for it with every fiber in his being and it just worked. And and like it's very it's very, very polarizing, but I just love the lack of doubt. He just was like, I want to I'm a songbird. I make, I sing. That's what I do. And even though he was just God awful at it, it's the best. And it honestly, it's the most sincere. We talk about sincerity the whole time. It's the most sincere, honest, transparent music of all time. Man, it's just I, the feel, best. I feel like ashamed to have not known of his stuff. Oh <laughs> man. Most people don't. And also now you, and I just got, I got to tell you about it and you just learned it. And that's perfect. I hope to keep learning new stuff like this for the rest of my days. Like now you have it. That's great. That's awesome. (laughs) You know, it's perfect. It's the perfect time. I love it, man. I love your attitude. That's that. That was like, you know, the, the perspective and the, the positivity in that was the glass half full. That, yeah, that's awesome. That's nice. I'm glad I didn't check it out before because now I get to get into it. That's great. Yeah. What about, uh, so I was going to ask, and and you did plug that. Is there, let's say, three other? Is Justin Vernon up there? Three other musicians? It's it's Justin Vernon for sure, but it's not that I don't like his newer stuff. It's just that for forever, right. uh, for Emma, forever ago is just such. It was such an influential record that like Bon Iver is still absolutely there, and he still totally is. Um, but uh, but that first record is just like I, I I never really got into the other records, and I love like Holocene. 
off of the self-titled record is yeah. one of the most beautiful tunes ever written. And his newest one sounds a lot more like Volcano Choir to me, which is also very good. Right. That's- but just him with a classical guitar is just like totally, it's everything. You know, it just was so influential and so critical that I can never get. But yeah, Bon Iver is for sure up there for what he did to my perspective on producing records at home and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I would I would have to say that John Mayer is up there too, purely because, and not for his personal stuff, if we separate art from artist, his musical career, like how much he evolved over the over the course of year and how many how many banger songwriting first tunes that he put out over all these genres is very inspiring and in the back of my mind I still want to be John Mayer like that would be but again it's like it sounds weird saying because that level of fame I think might might pollute me but I want to have that kind of influence if I could sing and get my message across to that many people it would be just be amazing that and the fact that continuum that record just changed my whole life. Yeah, just, you're uh, slow dancing in a burning room, man. That's that's solid, sweet perspective and take. Oh yeah, thanks. This is like now we're doing tunes every week, so you're just like, okay, we're <laughs> we're choosing tunes we love, or we're we're trying to output them in a nice way. Um, but uh, but uh, yeah, that that John Mayer is just is definitely other. So we got we got Bon Iver, John, and then it has to be Blake Mills. Blake yeah. Mills has totally changed the way I was playing bluegrass. 60th note, very fast, open core positions. And then Blake Mills came out of nowhere. Um, don't tell our friends about me. And yeah. And just the way the, the musicality that it brings to a guitar made it just one of those permanent ego deaths, I call them, where you think you're doing pretty well. And then something like that comes along and makes you feel all right, it's day one. <laughs> it's like, I don't know anything about guitar and we're back to absolute square one we're going to relearn the instrument um and that was the, the, the i've like as soon as i heard him play guitar like that i was like this is now everything the only thing i care about doing is is learning how to play guitar the way he does well, shoot, i've got yeah two more lightning round questions love it hit me um beer wine or liquor fine spirits oh i gotta be liquor yeah that's tequila or gin specifically because it's too much calories. It's too much. Like I can't possibly, I love a beer. Actually, I'll take a brew any day of the week, but like anything, like when I drink, I was like, okay, I'm getting loopy. Like that's the point of this. <laughs> like yeah. I've never, I, I, you know, I'm like, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to drink, I'm going to have like, I'm definitely going to have like four or five shots pretty quickly. And I'm going to drink a ton of water. So I'm not hung over, but I'm going to get drunk and I'm going to experience like what it's like to lower my inhibitions and, and just like really get into that and just act like a drunk person, you know, just look at my guitars and be like, yes, <laughs> like I'm doing it. Like, I'm so happy I have these two things, you know, you can kind of indulge in what being drunk is, but I do it to, for, I play for keeps, you know, I'm like, let's get into it. And I just can't knock back five Dr. Peppers. I'm going to have a heart attack. You know, I can't like mix a Jack and Coke and, lose my mind. So I'll, I'll just, I'll be like, let's take shots. And then I'll, I'll just like nurse an orange juice or something as a chase. Right. <laughs> awesome. Let's do it. Get drunk. Nice. Um, last, how long, uh, how long have you been, is that a year or, or longer? How long have you been growing the beard? Oh dude, this beard, this is a five month beard. Wow. Isn't that crazy? It's, it's That's impressive. It's truly like when people, when I, when people talk to me about the beard, which is everybody, like just random people you meet at the grocery store, people just reaching out and grabbing it or whatever. Uh, it's like if I shaved, it would truly dictate my whole life. <laughs> like if I had to shave for things, it would be a nightmare. 
because this thing wants to be on my face. It is such, it's so thick. <laughs> like, how yeah. do I get around this thing, you know? So this is five months. I actually, man, I, you know, like in Jumanji when Robin Williams comes out in the jungle oh, and he's totally. like, what year is it? This is, that's how I feel every morning when I look at myself. Uh, awesome. I'm just like, what happened to you, dog? But, uh, but it's been, it's cause I'm away from my barber. I have this guy in Montreal, this amazing dude, Patrick, who's my barber. And I just have, yeah, I just haven't had a haircut in five months. So now I have this great big beard. Now I'm torn. It's at a length now where if I get like a short haircut, it'll look like I'm doing a thing. You know, like right. if it looks like the top is, is all business, like I can kind of let the bottom half of my face be more like about the party. Um, so, so I don't know, but I think, I'm, I think I'm going to back it off a little bit just because it's getting like I wake up and it's like all in my mouth and stuff. <laughs> you know? It's impressive. Hard to eat. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Every, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a real nightmare, but, but it's a real talking piece. It really breaks the ice for everybody. Yeah. You know, but yeah, this is about five months. Nice. Yeah. Well, shit, man, that is, this is great episode. I'm already, this is, um, thank you. Jesse. Oh, seriously. Oh, it's, I couldn't be happier about doing it. And I'm so, just thankful that you asked honestly like I'm, it's, I'm so so flattered that somebody would just want to talk to me about this stuff truly it like makes me feel great I, told, I was telling Elaine about it I'm like somebody wants to be on a podcast I love podcasts I listen to podcasts all day that's awesome man it's, yeah it's the best I'm so thankful to have done it yeah truly I mean thanks for you've shared a lot of great um, just on a lot of personal topics too not just the you know the music or the softwares you're using or the processes but I didn't expect that. I, but that this is, it's gone in a direction that that's, what's beautiful about this. It's great. It's great. And, and this is the beauty about just podcasts in general is, is yeah, that it just goes wherever it needs to go. And, and it's still within the umbrella of what you're doing and you don't have to, you know, bend the knee to tide or something like you're on network uh, 50 years ago or whatever, you know, right. It's beautiful. So, th- so thank you for doing this and thank you for taking the time to make something like this. Yeah, absolutely, man. Where's the, um, of course, you know, we mentioned throughout Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, but where else, uh, where can folks find, find your tunes? Oh, I, I'm the easiest thing is if you just Google my name, Jesse Daniel Smith, um, you'll see that I'm, I'm just on anything and everything that I could possibly be on. Um, in, I think in such a saturated market, I don't have the luxury of being, you know, coquettish <laughs> and I can't, I can't just be, be, uh, I can't play hard to get in any capacity. So any resource, uh, any, any way that you like to consume media, I'm there doing something. Are you on that? Uh, I forget what it's called. It was just like trendy title to go, um, Vivo or Vero or something. Probably yes. Yeah. Thankfully, <laughs> Probably. the services I subscribe to um, nice. uh, just automatically push stuff out when it comes available. Like I've set it up so that they don't even have to ask me if there's a new store up. I just put it in. Like I, uh, I'm not concerned with the rates. I'm not concerned with how much I'm getting per play or anything. It's just like I make this stuff. I would love it if people, if I, if I could help somebody who has a real job get to and from their work or or anything like that. If I could make their life a little bit easier. Amazing. <laughs> the That's rest great. will work itself out. I'm just so thankful that somebody wants to take me with them to work or something. Yeah, truly. Yeah, I love it. Or last night, my wife and I making cookies, and that's not a euphemism. Literally making, <laughs> literally making cookies and just enjoying kind of an after dinner snack. You're in the background, man. Got it playing. Oh, that that's like that's everything, man. It just warms my heart to a degree I can't even describe. That's awesome. Yeah, I love well, it. Keep it up, seriously. 
oh, it's, I have no choice in the matter. <laughs> so, so I'm just going to keep putting it out. Um, yeah, thank you, man. Live a well-balanced life and really just prioritize your overall well-being. If I were to pick one personal takeaway from my conversation with Jesse from this episode, this is it. I really, truly enjoyed connecting with him. Very authentic individual, like I said before. I highly encourage you to check out his work. Go over to YouTube, Spotify, Tidal. Like he noted, he's all over the interwebs and streaming media. Jesse Daniel Smith. So as I spoke to at the top of this episode, Jesse and myself have teamed up and we're providing some premium bonus content alongside this main episode. Go to makerviews.com slash JSD to get that. He's sharing a previously unreleased song that's not on any albums. You'll definitely want to check that out. And then we've also put together a complimentary bonus episode to go alongside this. Like I said, we our conversation we chatted for a long time it was like two old friends so i did edit some of this out on the main content here um but there there's really great value in the bonus episode we we talk more about jesse's record deal we dive further into dealing with anxiety and depression like he was saying and specifically in using medical cannabis for that and then we talk more about the music and his guitar playing and background inspirations all sorts of stuff. There's a special handwritten note from Jesse too with some life lessons and just check it out, makerviews.com slash JSD. If you like what you hear on this podcast, I do encourage you to subscribe and if you leave a review, that really does help out. And then of course, guys, check out Jesse Daniel Smith. Thanks for tuning in. Now get out there and make things. And you always will. It breaks my heart that you really don't play